Are you ready? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I guess if you want to start with what today's topic is. Okay. So um, originally, you know, thinking uh, breeders versus adopter type of thing, rescues, you know, um, but I think it should be more of a adopter, adopt or shop responsibly type of conversation. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, the good and the bad versus for each one, you know. I myself have only gone through a breeder, although if like family pets mm-hmm. we've rescued. Um, so I don't have much input there, but I am happy to learn. I know <laughs> I'm going to learn a lot today. So um, I guess we should probably start with just a few definitions, just so like we're on this, you and I are mm-hmm. on the same page and anyone watching, you know, is on the same page. We just want to be like very precise and accurate with how we how we word things. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if we could define what exactly m- makes a backyard breeder a backyard breeder, what's a puppy mill, and like what exactly makes a reputable breeder reputable. Okay, so uh, so starting with breeders, um, good being someone who kind of, you know, does their research on their breed, does the health testing required for the breed standard, participates in their breed's events. Um, We'll get into that more. Um, And then um, breeding for health and betterment of the breed. Bad breeders, puppy mills, and backyard breeders. Puppy mills being someone who solely just breeds and breeds and breeds and breeds for the purpose of having puppies um, regardless of health um, and temperament and, you know, mental stability. Uh, Backyard breeders can be someone as easy as accidental litter or someone who just wants to breed their dog because they like their dog um, or just to have a litter make some money, you know. That's uh, usually the end result for those guys is the money is what they want. Um, is that the same with the puppy mills? Yeah. Typically? Oh, yeah. yeah. All about the money. It's just larger scale. Larger scale, yep. Um, and usually poorer. Much worse conditions. Conditions, yeah. yeah. Um, rescues, making sure um, the good being trying to place the dog in an appropriate home, you know, making the, sure the dog's healthy enough to be adopted or set up for success if it's going to a home with health conditions. Um, and that's probably not even just limited to like physical health. I yep. imagine like there's a whole mental health exactly. aspect of that. And then um, bad rescues, the ones that typically only have puppies work with puppy mills. That's a thing. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, adopts at higher rates with very little um, veterinary care into it or um, even just standard care, honestly. Um, They're just trying to adopt as fast as they can to get more dogs in and be able to adopt them out. Just kind of like a puppy mill, but Mm. rescue version. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Because, like, to me, if you're going to do something with dogs, it's like, do it for the good reasons. Do it, Mm -hmm. like, if I'm going to start a rescue, it's because I want it to be, like, the best rescue. I could never imagine, like being in cahoots with a puppy mill that's just that's crazy yeah and it's you know 
those are the red flags if you, they constantly have puppies mm-hmm. and not much else then yeah. it's a red flag um is that like basically almost like laundering money like it's laundering dogs kind of like it, it pretty much and you know bad rescues and puppy mills kind of work together kind of hand in hand sometimes so you gotta be careful um but we can start going into in-depth stuff um, for each one if you want for each category. Yeah. And then we can talk about, you know, verse versus who versus who versus yeah. Yeah. or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'd like to just clarify for me real quick yeah. that it's totally a adopt or shop. Just do it responsibly. responsibly. Yeah, don't, don't support someone. And we'll get into the, you know, the, the signs to look for, but... If you see these signs, don't don't support it, you yeah. know. Um, quick question on mm-hmm. on that: um, is there is there a moral difference? Do you think between puppy mills and backyard breeding? Not really, honestly. I mean, is it all? They think they have. You know, backyard breeders are thinking they're doing the right thing, or they want to be doing the right thing. But in the end, they're not. They're just contributing to, um, you know, shelters, the overpopulation of breeds, strays, mm. stuff like that. Right. Would you say they're both immoral? They're both. They're both obviously bad. For. They're bad. Yes, but there's always a, the steps they can do to, to become better. Obviously, you know, if you're first starting out breeding dogs and you know nothing and then you learn along the way you can become better right there's always a chance to become better puppy mills usually not but Mm -hmm. um backyard breeders they can take the steps to become better um yeah so someone i guess who's like not super greedy not trying to do it for money but they're just like you know they're learning like their first couple litters yeah they're figuring it out yeah okay so you're not necessarily an evil person just because you Exactly. You're not evil, but you're not great. <laughs> <laughs> are you evil if you are running a puppy mill? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. All the all the things that go wrong. And some of the mills. questions I ask like that are are like not necessarily because I challenge your view, but I want to mm. play like devil's advocate a little. Like, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I, th- I I would agree. I'm not. I'm not asking that because I don't agree. I yeah. just want to no, make. Fine. I just want to make sure that. Uh, yeah, don't hate me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess if we go into some of the details yeah. on. Um, those three. Uh, I don't know what to call them. Uh, those three, methods of obtaining a puppy. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, so wherever I guess, do you want to start with reputable breeder or? Yeah, I'll start with reptile breeders. Um, so typically, like I was mentioning before, um, they'll do the health testing recommended by um, the breed standard. So each breed has their own standard of health testing, not just a vet appointment, not just Embark or Wisdom panel. There's a whole bunch of just like DNA tests. It's like full-on comprehensive um, testing for specific things by a board-certified um, veterinarian so has gone through years specifically studying that field um, so I'll use Shiloh he's a borzoi as an example his uh, requirements for his breed um, 
is the, let's see here, I just typed everything up. Um, so degenerative myelopathy. So that's uh, pretty much like- Could you say that? Degenerative myelopathy. Degenerative yep. myelopathy. Myelopathy. Yes. All right. So something de- something's degenerating. I know yes, that much. It's usually <laughs> muscle, um, okay. usually like hind end where they start to you know lose muscle, um, trouble getting up, stuff like that. Um, that's prone in his breed. Um, having their thyroids done every year. And sorry to interrupt yeah. you. So that that's something Shiloh was tested as a puppy. So their parents are tested, and okay. I did my own testing of him too because they can become carriers even if the parents are clear. Okay. Um, they can still be a carrier. Gotcha. Um, now, does that guarantee he won't have it? Is if you do chance? the correct testing. Okay. Um, it's not something that they just develop. Got you. Um, so all these tests are not for something that would be developed. It's like pretty, like you can see it very early on. So it developed for them to have that specific disease. Um, it does develop as they get older. So it's not right there onset. It's kind of develops as an age, but you can test for it to see if he's a, at risk versus a carrier versus clear. Okay. Um, I see. He's clear, thankfully. <laughs> so is that DNA? Um, so that can be done through blood. Um, he got a wisdom panel done, which uh, I can submit to the proper testing websites, and they can tell me if that's the proper, like the test that they did was good enough for their standards, mm. um, which it is. Uh, I like to make sure before I do anything because it's a lot of money. Um, it's not cheap, and that should be a big thing for um, good breeders is they're not worried about the money. They're worried about, you know, testing to better their breed. Um, Next would be, like, thyroid. Um, Yearly, they should be done because they can develop thyroid disease as they get older. Um, And then uh, eye certificate, um, which is just, you know, making sure the eyes, I think they have, like, an iris issue as they age. Um, So you get that done yearly. so echocardiograms, so they require advanced echocardiograms, so not just a uh, stethoscope to the heart. They need an actual um, ultrasound machine to the heart to see um, if there's any diseases, if they're, they're prone to DCM, which is um, degenerative cardiomyelopathy, so the degeneration of the heart. heart. Okay. Um, How often do they test for that every year? Or? It should be done every year. Um, but mainly if you're going to do that's it. specifically to Borzois in this case, right? Specifically to Borzois, yes. Okay. Um, they should be especially done before any breeding, like within the year of breeding, if you plan to breed. Um, I also hold up a ho- poodle, just a random dog. Um, so for poodles, they recommend hip dysplasia um, testing, so x-rays, um, either by pen hip or OFA, so... That's just like a scale of, you know, are they prone to hip dysplasia, stuff like that. And we're talking x-rays of just the puppy, and we're judging based so off the, the parents? not the puppy, the adult. Okay. So oh. the parents and or the puppy as an adult. Okay. Um, again, before breeding. Uh, I think that's like a one and done thing. I'm not 100% sure because my breed doesn't require it. Mm-hmm. Um, the eye certificate, uh, certificate again, 
they're also prone to thyroid disease, and then they also require um, echocardiogram for the heart. And then I just did a random one again, Chihuahua cardiac, because they're prone to heart murmurs and heart issues as they age, eyes, because they get eye issues, glaucoma, stuff like that. And then a fun one is patellas. They have very prone to luxating patellas, Mm -hmm. especially as they age, they get worse. And that can be arthritic to the older dog and something you don't want to particularly want to breed for. Yeah. So, so most of that stuff you can like see early on. Like I, you I can know... start to pick up on it, but it definitely develops as they age type of thing, yeah. which is why it's so important to do health testing. So that way you can follow the lines of, you know, the breeders, uh, pets that they're breeding to see if they ha- ever had those issues. Is it potential for your dog? Is your dog potential to pass that down to someone else? Yeah, because I think the most earth-shattering thing for somebody would probably be to get a puppy and then all of a sudden it's got all these issues. Issues. Yeah. It, I mean, maybe even die, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just, and it's, it's nothing that you could have done if you went to, like, say, a puppy mill, backyard exactly. breeder. Exactly. They don't have where they don't any have health testing, testing if that. Know. I mean, some backyard breeders do do health testing, but they don't do enough. Yeah. That's why they're so concerned. So it's essentially just the future is sort of very cloudy. Exactly. Um, even if you got like a good deal or yep. whatever, yeah. Um, a good way to figure out what health testing is needed for your breed, um, you can go to the AKC website um, and it should, you can search um, the each individual breed and what they require or it'll tell you to go to your breed's uh, parent health cl- uh, parent club so a uh, dog club so Borzoi Club of America mm-hmm. is a uh, one for Borzois yeah, and they'll tell you yep American um, Association yeah. they'll tell you what's recommended for health testing usually um, you can also go to the OFA website uh, they have also a recommendation for per breed now hearing all this mm-hmm. I mean already I personally but just thinking in the mindset, it's like, okay, I'm hearing this. Maybe this is the first time I'm hearing it. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, what, you know, and, and I'm if, if I'm someone who is just like looking at dogs on Craigslist or whatever, you know, maybe this gets me thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should. Sub- how, how do I go about finding a breeder that I can, you know? Yeah. Breeders don't typically Trust. post on Craigslist. That's a good right, one. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Good readers so don't like, typically post on there, but usually... If I don't know any... Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find a puppy. Oh, I think this place at the South Shore Plaza looks cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked in. I saw a bunch of dogs. They were really cute in the little... Tanks. Behind the glass windows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fish tanks. Um, yeah. So what would you tell someone like that? Like, how can they uh, obtain that information... To where they 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 can find a good breeder. Yeah, can find a good breeder. So all pet stores and malls are puppy mill puppies. Sorry to break it to everybody, but they are puppy mill puppies. And if they say otherwise, they're they're very fraudulent. Don't believe it. Um, a good place to find breeders is on the AKC website as well. You can also go to dog shows and talk and get word of mouth. There, there's usually really good recommendations on who to stay away from, who to go to. Um, but a good breeder is breeding for the preservation for of the breed or to improve the breed. Um, with, like I said, required health testing 
And like I said, they even do the, the events for that dog. So herding does herding trials um, and, and or confirmation. Um, sporting dogs do hunting and or confirmation. Um, if they do both, that's A+. plus. If they just do confirmation, that's not the end of the world. They're breeding for preservation. Um, obviously, if they do like the trials per the breed, um, they're definitely just trying to see if their dog is, you know, confirmationally sound and can do its required tasks that it was bred for. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get like, for instance, <laughs> a border collie that had no herd drive or like, like that's the whole soul of the dog. I yeah. feel it's, it's they should have purpose, those instincts. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so preserving. Those because instincts, like yeah that's I, I feel like a lot of different dogs have their like right you know the border collies they've got their little crouch you know mm -hmm. uh like a borzoi they got those regal like strides like each mm -hmm. each breed has its own like distinguishing just like wow factor yeah and it's like you know you want to keep that that's something that makes them special it is you know so uh there's also the United Kennel Club, which is called UKC. Just it's a good place to you know start out, but keep in mind those it's not as strict as the AKC. So there are requirements for the dog. So you could probably have an off-colored, off-standard dog that's not breed standard and still show it. So just be careful if you go to the UKC. Though they're trying to do well, they aren't standard a lot of dogs aren't standard because they don't they're not strict um as the akc um yeah uh, i'm sure maybe we can get into that later under yeah. the bad breeders but i'm sure doodles is on your mind oh my god <laughs> uh any designer breed honestly and yeah. yeah like uh what i forget was it a siberian husky and french bulldog you sent me some weird those oh, are really yeah. weird. It sold for like a million dollars. Just like <laughs> it was a fluffy Frenchie, but they call them Siberian or Husky Frenchies because they're fluffy and mm. I don't even want to get into that right now. <laughs> uh, and then I think other than that, for um, good breeders, um, they should be breeding titled dogs. Untitled dogs are, you know not the worst but they don't have their championship title grand championship title they don't have any, if they don't have any titles that should be a red flag and the breeder has them registered on the akc website and stuff and ofa doing health testing but now that their dogs are placing that should be a red flag is that sort of like the dog's paperwork if you will like yeah they're they're the points they've gotten their championships from the dog shows that's sort of their paperwork saying like hey look they have I've this maintained title. Yep. at least the minimum yeah you know. so you want to see a championship title or some type of title um given the breed because each breed has different titles if they're not just doing confirmation so again if they do field events and stuff like that so coursing lower cursing is a big one um there's a bunch of coursing events like fast cat or um lgra is a um, long coursing so yeah the fast cat <clears throat> I'm not I'm not very familiar with it other than um, I've heard it mentioned uh, there's a dog Neva Siberian Husky that goes to the dog park she's actually 
the the owner Ashley. She's the woman that brought me to the sled dog race, mm-hmm. um, and she does does fast cat, and you know I had to go. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I had to Google it. It's like the lure, and it's yeah. all, but just so cool. Like it is really cool to know, watch. Letting letting the dogs do what they're you know bred to do. Yeah, you know it's beautiful. And then. Uh, from there, uh, you know, the adoption application, or not adoption, but purchasing application, um, a good breeder will have a contract. Um, so they will have a contract to discuss if you cannot keep the dog, um, discussing if you can show or not, if you get, you know, full registration versus, you know, you want a pet quality pet. Um, good breeders should be able to distinguish their faults within their own line. So, they should be able to tell you if you're looking for a show quality dog versus, you know, more of a home pet type of dog um, within their own breeding standard. Um, they'll ask you about your lifestyle, your jobs, how long, you know, the puppy will be alone for or the dog will be alone for. Um, they're in it to pretty much make sure, you know, that dog's probably going to be with you for the rest of your life type of situation. Uh, most good breeders will never let their dogs go to a shelter. They'll either find a way to get the dog back or find placement for that dog. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, br- good, reputable breeders don't contribute to home um, the overinflation of overpopulation stuff. of pets. Um, they'll either have a spay-neuter contract with you depending on the breed and, you know, the age versus, you know, again, showing you can't alter your pet. So it depends. Yeah, yeah it's funny. All the – so all those – Good things you mention, just like when I'm running them through my head, it's like I'm checking them off, just thinking about the breeder that I purchased Banjo and Bailey from. It's like, yep, yep, okay, yep, all right, good. I feel comfortable and confident now, you know. Um, I guess I could talk real quick about my quick experience getting them. So on their website... Uh, they've they've got listed that all puppies are sold with AKC or ABCA registration. AKC you mentioned was American Kennel Club. Mm-hmm. ABCA American Border Collie Association. Um, so yeah, so they're registered, which was a huge check, right? Um, the the real important thing, and especially because I watch a double moral Australian Shepherd for those listening that aren't familiar with that well you'll probably be able to describe that better than i yeah. i can if you want to describe the merle on merle yeah so it's considered like a high white gene so mostly white dogs with like very little merle in it um they can have a lot of eye issues ear issues heart issues um it's considered almost like a deadly gene almost and should be a red flag if you see the word double merle um exotic teacup anything like that those should be red flags yeah yeah so he's blind um and jane his owner absolutely just wants to like find the breeder and kill him but i mean there's no there's no finding finding that um and so obviously i think most people and this is me talking out of an experience, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. People, people that, or sorry, maybe clear. Let me clarify. 
breeders that don't care, right? Breeders that don't care will breed Merle to Merle to increase the chance of getting a Merle puppy because they sell for more money, question mark. I believe so. I don't know the whole That's what I'd imagine. genetics of Merle, but Yeah. And then I think I think I read I read online on <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> I think uh, a quarter of there's a one in four chance that a Merle to Merle bred dog will get the that gene, the the double Merle gene. So it's like if you consciously breed Merle to Merle, that just seems like again red flag. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh my god. So like most likely a backyard breeder. Yeah. So I'm I'm mentioning all mentioning all this in preface to on. The breeder that I got my border collies from, shout out to Plum Hollow Border Collies. Um, we always do our best to get you the puppy of your dreams. However, please note that we can never guarantee you a puppy of a specific coat or eye color. Everybody wants the blue, one blue eye, one brown yeah. eye, you know. Um, we strictly breed for optimal health, temperament, and therefore have little to no control over the appearance of our puppies. And that just speaks volumes to me about somebody who like really just cares about, like you mentioned, bettering the breed, continuing the breed, you know, not caring about whether it's got crazy eyes, crazy cool colors. Whatever can make them a quick buck. Yeah. It's like, um, they just seem to just care about, um, making sure their dogs have like the best life that they're, they're going to have. So to me, supporting them was like a big, I guess, no brainer. Like mm-hmm. it was very easy. I was very comfortable mm-hmm. when I got Bailey. So if you remember, I was working at BU. I knew somebody, well, working at BU, but not for BU, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> and somebody who worked for BU, so my client, knew Plum Hollow Border Collies. And she sort of like got us all set up and hooked up. Mm-hmm. And she visited them and brought a puppy back. Mm-hmm. So about a year and a half later, we were, th- <laughs> we, like Sam had any choice. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of getting a second border collie. And so I was, all right, well, Logan over at Plum Hollow Border Collies, he made it super easy. I was super confident. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no, like, I didn't have any questions in my mind, so. Um, he was very easy to work with again, you know, picked out, a, um, you know, Hey, we want that one, you know, mm-hmm. which I wish I could have met Banjo before I picked him. Mm-hmm. Just sort of thinking about it, but they're over in Pennsylvania way out. So it's just like sort of too far like then. like you couldn't meet or maybe you did did you meet fable before you No, i you didn't meet fable or picture? so picture yes um and then they kind of give me gave me my options so that's like a good thing to point out is um don't settle usually typically for a certain puppy if they post pictures of puppies because that breeder should match you to to your dog but to your lifestyle mm-hmm. so obviously if you have a calm lifestyle they're not going to match you to a high energy dog that may be the pretty dog right um so a lot of breeders will give you like first second third picks of your choice of either male or female so you let them know do you prefer male or female 
they'll ask you out of the puppies um, that are male versus female um, for second, third picks. Um, and then as they develop, uh, they should choose the dog for you or recommend the dog best for your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like, you know, I, I think it took. So I think, well, yeah, Joe, just sort of taking in all that information. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> process, took, a, took a second to yeah. process it. Like when we were looking at getting banjo, or when I was looking, again, we, it's a little, <laughs> when I was looking at getting banjo, yeah, we went back and forth for a few days. It's like, here's the available ones. Mm -hmm. We are sort of just talking about, talking about them. And their personalities, most likely. Yeah. yeah. So, we, I can actually say we in the sense of we, <laughs> once Sam was like, you know, it was more like not, not, hey, Sam, can we get another dog? It was like, hey, Sam, we, we're getting another dog. Uh, so we planned a road trip to just sort of go out and it's like this time let's go out let's see it um, not because I'm out of not because I'm uneasy at the idea of like well maybe it's actually this shady place but more of just like I don't know like let's go meet them let's go yeah. see it like I'm very curious to see like how awesome it is uh, yeah. so we Oh gosh! It a lot was... of good breeders will let you go to their place either um, after accepting you as like a a purchasee yeah. of that one of their dogs, or um, we'll do like Zoom stuff so you can see their place, their dogs. Um, keep in mind they may not always have dad on site because a lot of people will do you know out cross breedings with other breeders, um, but typically they have mom on site, or if it's a split breeding, so. Um, sire, the owners of the sire will take some puppies after they're a certain age, and um, the owners of the dam will keep puppies after a certain age. So keep in mind there may not be both parents on site, um, but going yeah. to get your. dog you should be able to see never thought for, about the it location from that angle. yeah should see the location see the you know how sanitary it is typically before you go type of thing just to be safe because you never know um and then you, yeah, should you don't want to show up and it's like there's poop everywhere <laughs> exactly. they're living in like Cages, their own feces yeah. like um and that's a red flag <laughs> mm -hmm. uh they'll also be able to provide medical records 
obviously they should be seen before you know sold to anybody uh grid breeder will make sure they get at least their first distemper shots second and third um depending on the breed on what age they send them out some breeders like to keep their puppies a little longer and that's a good sign too when's the earliest eight weeks should be the earliest at any point i know a few people that have gone way and that's like five weeks that's the dogs red, had issues that's like a health sign. issues oh yeah. yeah they can have health issues they can have mental issues um mm-hmm. but the typically the longer the breeder keeps the puppies the better development for those puppies especially if they're kept with mom because she can p- teach them proper um respect pretty much and manners like boundaries a exactly bit. um as well as they should be able to provide those medical records like i was saying yeah, so so we we decided let's do it. Let's drive out there. Let's make sure Banjo's not living in his own feces, you know? So it was uh, I want to say uh probably an 11 and a half ish hour drive one way. So so the 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 plan didn't stay the plan. It never does with me. I'll make a plan and it it changes real quick. (laughs) So we drove. Yep. So basically Boston to they're in Fort Littleton, Pennsylvania. So it took us about 11 hours. I think we left it like 5 a.m., 4 Mm a.m. Because we didn't want to hit. We want to avoid as much traffic in the morning as we could. So we get there at like 2 p.m. So how long is that? Oh, God, I'm too drunk for math. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, two, long enough, <laughs> eight <laughs> hours, I don't know, Lo- long enough. So we finally get there. We do it in one one long shot, just stopping pretty much for gas. It was a long, long drive. That's what I did for both my guys. Yeah, and... Uh, the the so Logan the breeder had people coming like that whole day just sort of random times mm-hmm. you know picking up puppies from that same same litter so excuse me one sec <clears throat> perfect I'll cut that out <laughs> so we got there at like two p.m. and uh, he had banjo already out. So he lives, uh, we pull up on like this dirt road way mm-hmm. out in Pennsylvania, just farm as far as you can see, mm-hmm. just like sweeping hills of farm. So already I'm like, good. It's not like I've got this working herding dog that's like yeah. stuck in some apartment. It's exactly. like, good, we're, we're at a farm. <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, so we pull up, there's chickens all over the road. It's great. <laughs> Just very, very amazing. Beautiful. Banjo. It's so funny. I can see it now looking back. He's a very timid, shy, scared, mm-hmm. reactive dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was hiding under the trampoline and just sort of looking out at us. <laughs> uh, so we spent a couple hours there mm-hmm. or an hour and a half maybe. Um, I'll link it in the description. But I got a... I, I took some f- video footage while I was there with my GoPro. It, unfortunately, it wasn't one of these cameras. I didn't have <laughs> one of these cameras at the time. Just had the GoPro. But I got some footage of, like, the farm and just sort of uh, the, the, the 
so Bailey, Bailey, we brought Bailey. Bailey got to see her dad, which was mm-hmm. cool. Unfortunately, her her mother passed away, um, so she didn't get to see mom. But seeing her with dad, it's just like, oh my god, you are your dad. Like it was just <laughs> real cute the way they acted. Like they said hi to each other and just kind of like ignored each other and just laid down and stared at me. Like they just acted the same. Mm-hmm. And we got to meet both of Banjo's mom and dad. Yeah. Which. They were both red and white, and the whole litter was tricolored except Banjo. He was the only black and white, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I want that one. Like, yeah. that's, I don't know. Again, I couldn't meet him, so it's like, well, I'll just pick that one, I guess. <laughs> so we got to meet a whole host of the dogs. Uh, I got to see like the environment they're in. They have children. The children are with the puppies. Uh so that was like, I don't know, 3 or 4 p.m. We left there. Stopped at Sam's aunt's house in New Jersey with a cute little baby puppy, <laughs> little Banjo. And he got to meet his cousin Juno. And then we ate dinner there. And then we drove home. And I think we got home at like 2 in the morning. So from like 5 a.m. to like 2 a.m. Yeah. It was pretty much a whole day of like literally just... Driving. And... And it was a it was a Friday we left. I remember specifically. She took work off. I wasn't working at the time. Er. Yeah, I was doing doggy daycare. I wasn't at, at BU at the time. And we got home. It's like three in the morning. We we stopped at like Burger King. And I passed out on the couch with banjo in my arms. And he literally sleeps in my arms every night ever since. It's Aww. the cutest thing. But the next morning, um, it's just like, you know, I'm up at 6 a.m. Just like, oh, my God, I got up, up. Like, you know, yeah. sleep wasn't happening. It was like Christmas <laughs> all over again as a kid. So I was just like one of the best days. I don't know. I just love it. So it was good. No, I guess it was very reassuring going there, checking it out. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, okay, Bailey came from a great place and Banjo came from a great place. Mm-hmm. I supported somebody who is loves their dogs as much as I do. Yeah. You know, I don't want to support somebody who is just trying to make a quick buck. Uh, so so that was sort of my experience going with a breeder, I guess. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And I would totally and probably will totally buy puppies in the future from them yeah. again. The only other experience I have, so just talking about like rescuing Shirley, miniature dachshund. She was 11 when we rescued her. She came from, uh, so she's a female. You can tell she had puppies and they guessed that she was bred starting at like age one Mm -hmm. and just sort of just bred like constantly Mm -hmm. she lived in a cage she couldn't walk when we took her Uh, she just didn't have muscles like to she just literally sat in a cage for i I think yeah i think for like 11 years straight yeah it was a house oh god i'm gonna have to find the news article it was a house in like andover had like 72 dachshunds or some crazy like just an absolute ridiculous ridiculous situation yeah. it's like, how do you get to the point where you have like how does that 
how do the neighbors like i i can't i, I can't wrap my head around i can't that. either I, I don't know how you can live like that alone <laughs> yeah so she was like one of like 72 uh the best part of that story though is that we eventually got her like hiking blue hills and conditioned no. and like she's still alive i think she's like 17 now <laughs> we rescued her on my birthday um but you can just it's so sad because she just wants to be in her crate my parents have a crate they leave the door open and she just at the house is just in the crate like 24 7 yeah, she'll come where out she's most comfortable and yeah she'll come out pee and do her, her business and just go right back because she just knows yeah it's just hard so like don't support that no. <laughs> that's what you're supporting if you support that i think that's a good point to start talking about bad breeders yeah. um so bad breeders typically have you know lack of knowledge of their breed so they can't really tell you you know about the breed the history of the breed and then why they're even breeding usually um they're either uh, ignorance of genetic defects or in just denial they refuse to see you know that bulldog has cherry eyes so let me keep breeding two cherry-eyed bulldogs that have breathing issues together um or they know that their dog has a heart murmur and they're still breeding that because it's going to be passed down but they refuse to accept it type of situation. I want to pause you for a sec. Okay. If they know that the dog has a heart murmur and they continue to breed it, that's bad. Bad. What if they don't know? Is that bad? Because that means they're not testing? Exactly. Okay. And, I mean, it's not... It's Just trying to, Even like... going to your regular vet, they can hear heart murmurs. Okay. Obviously, the echocardiogram is... You know, so not gold knowing, standard. not knowing is just as bad as ignoring. Exactly. I mean, it. They should know because they should be taking their dogs to the vets. Yeah. And getting well, just not, regular. Not if you've got seventy-two of them. I know, and that's <laughs> again red flag. Um, there's no involvement in dog sports confirmation. They're not. You know, the dogs are sitting at home type of thing. You know, bad breeder. Um, not letting you observe the litter, so no picture updates, um, no videos of mom in the litter or their location. It's very, like, secretive. That's not awesome. Yeah, I know somebody. Sorry to interrupt you. I know okay. somebody who, oh, God, I don't know who, and I don't want to put them on blast. That's not yeah. the point. But uh, they, when they were getting their puppy, I guess it was, like, uh, pulled up. They came out with it. We didn't meet the parents. They just gave us the puppy, and we drove off. It's just like, yeah, not typically good. Yeah, <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> a little sketchy. I'm there. sorry. What? <laughs> um, also, no documentation, so no lineage, showing the lineage for the breed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I have like a. Sorry, did I keep interrupting you? But it's okay. I've got a whole folder, like pamphlet. Oh yeah, and it has the ba Bailey and banjo. Whole, oh yeah, um, it's crazy heritage. So. Mm -hmm. Um, if they don't have that, that's a red flag. Um, and then they don't seem to understand the socializ uh, the importance of socialization with people, um, dogs within their households, um, you know, just getting them to experience things because good breeders will um, give them, like, uh, toys to experience, so different, like, textures, you know, just giving them a whole... Um, bunch of the experiences to broaden their horizons and make them less fearful mm -hmm. type of situation um those are typically bad breeders 
um, as long as puppy, as well as puppy mills. Uh, so th sold through pet stores, um, consumer websites, uh, on the internet and the classifieds ads, uh, Craigslist, Facebook. Um, I just want to mention yeah. one, uh, anecdotal example though okay. of a Cra of two craigslist dogs i think that happen to be absolutely phenomenal not necessarily in health i've got no idea but if it's not by the breeder but by the owner yeah because owners will put their well oh this is, dogs that's true yeah on um you know websites like that um, it's typically when you see breeders doing that. Yeah, my friend uh, Sue, one of our big fans. You met yeah. I think uh, her husky Boris, he's awesome. Uh, super cool dog. But I think she just was like, I need a dog. I'm losing my mind. Somebody give me a dog. And like she posted it and like she just like somebody dropped her off a dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But it worked out in her favor. So yes. super anecdotal. It, sometimes it does. Uh, <laughs> like I said, it's mainly um, breeders. If you see do that, that's a red flag. Yeah. Why? Uh, why? Sh and this is me just sort of playing devil's advocate, giving it a little pushback. Why should I care about all those red flags? I know the breed standard, but why should I care about the breed standard? The health standard? of your dog, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you want a sound dog, so something that's not gonna be mentally unstable mm -hmm. um it's something that's not gonna be aggressive or bite be a you know potential risk for people and or kids and or other dogs um and then like i said health longevity of the dog you know you want to live with that dog hopefully for the rest of its long life you don't want to cut it short due to genetic defects um health concerns you know so it sounds like basically the reason i should care about all those red flags is because I want a dog that is mentally and physically sound. Well, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, just, just again, because I know <laughs> a lot. Talking about a lot of it can sometimes come off so conceited and yeah. like you know. And, and there's nothing against you know those dogs that are in shelters. They're in the shelters typically for a reason, or they're mm -hmm. dumped, or they're you know people can't handle them because they're getting things that they're just buying from a puppy mill or a backyard breeder because it's a cool breed. Mm -hmm. You know, that husky that needs to run seven to 10 miles a day destroying your house because you work nine to 10 hours a day and doesn't it doesn't get a walk hey, I have or gets a mile I walk. have one of those. His name's Odin. <laughs> and he's a good boy, though, because yeah. he gets a, the, his exercise yeah. when he does get his exercise. Yeah, yeah, I, I started taking him Monday through Friday because <laughs> I was just like, let me just take him Monday through Friday. When I don't watch him, he like, he was luckily not super. He was respectfully destructive. He would destroy <laughs> a cardboard box, but not the couch. <laughs> and then for puppy mills and backyard breeders, you typically see them have multiple different breeds. So usually multiple small breeds or multiple large breeds or a mix of both. Um, and they're all selling them. They all have puppies all year round. Your breeders won't have puppies all year round. Typically, there's a yeah, weight. Like a weight, yeah. Yep. That's and one thing I had they to have do. A couple lists. months, yeah. too. It wasn't even like... Even years. Good breeders wasn't, will yeah. have years. Um, some won't even keep wait lists because there's so many people in demand for their dogs. And mm. they're not going to just hold out because there are gaslighting people yeah. who are like, I want this puppy. Talks for days, weeks, and then doesn't do it anything. Yeah. Um, 
the breeder will be out of state and won't give you an interstate health certificate, meaning it won't, um, you know, take the vet, <laughs> the dog to a vet to get a health certificate. That should what be a red flag. For? Interstate health certificate. So as long as they go to the vet and have vet records, they can usually get interstate health certificate. Talk about the puppy? Yes, for bad breeders. Bad breeders won't give you one of those or provide okay. medical records to show that they're healthy for travel. Gotcha. Um, and then they won't screen you for if a dog is a good fit because not everyone is a good fit for a dog. You know, dogs are a luxury. They're not something that we deserve. And I think that's like a big thing. And if they just let you be like, this puppy's two weeks old, let me buy it. That's typically a bad breeder, puppy mill, backyard breeder. And then when it's of age, it goes to you. But if you don't let the puppy develop it to see its personality, mm -hmm. see if it fits your lifestyle, it's typically a backyard breeder or puppy mill. Um, and pretty much just moving them as quick as possible to get more room in for more dogs typically a bad breeder hmm. I think that's it from my do you think there are more good breeders versus bad breeders or do you think no, it's the sadly other way I think it's the other way around, the other way around. Um, a lot of bad breeders will also have designer breeds so doodles they're not you know the standard breed everyone loves them and I see the yeah, I absolutely love them, but the truth <laughs> is the truth I absolutely yeah. love doodles I but... see the appeal in them but, but, yeah, I recognize the fact that you don't have the lineage. Exactly. You don't have the health testing, the health testing that goes through that lineage. I know. You would pretty much have to do the health testing for per breed for both. So you'd have to do double the health testing. Um, yeah, so there's no mixed breed, right, that is recognized as a, like a... No, I mean, they develop slowly mm -hmm. and through a lot of work. Oh, through a lot of selective breeding, I yes, bet. Yes, a lot of selective breeding. <laughs> so what goes into, maybe you could just so define that. and. A good example is like a Shiloh Shepherd. So it's like a, a mixed breed of, you know, Shepherds and Huskies. But it's been bred to the point where they are like a breed itself. And it's finally slowly getting recognized. They're not 100% recognized, I believe. I think there's just like a, a small club I think there's only like 39 breeding dogs mm. for the, that specific breed. But um, again, doodles, there's no standard for them because they come in all different sizes in different temperaments, different, you know, one may get more golden than poodle and one may get more doodle than golden. So there's no, there's no way to standardize doodles, sadly. <laughs> it's sort of a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And, you know, that's what makes it hard to do any, you know, confirmation or testing or, you know, there's no standard for them. There's no way to preserve them because they're a mutt. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're kind of... Well, Your doodle is a mutt. <laughs> it all, it's all making sense. Yes. <laughs> Your teacup chowini is a mutt. <laughs> Your and mutts are mutts are okay in the sense of, like we're not. I'm not. You know. I'm sure you're not. You have a mutt, right? Is yes, it Jedi mutt? Yes, she yeah, is, so and I love her to death. Yeah, like if you rescue a dog that came but again, from awful, I rescued her. I right. didn't purchase her. Exactly. Yeah, that's the that's the huge difference. Is you saved her. You didn't look at her as a, an object 
to purchase. Yeah, that was like that's designer slash hybrid yeah. that's gonna be worth. I don't know, like the million dollar Frenchie, fluffy Frenchie. <laughs> Can't get over that. And I, I think I sent you the chart maybe of just like the Frenchie breeds and colors. There's only four standard colors for Frenchies. And I think beyond that, it's designer slash not standard. And they're charging like $20,000 for like a Crazy. Isabella. I don't even know what color that is. Like <laughs> what color is an Isabella? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just, it blows my mind because... Everyone, you know, you go on Instagram and you're like scrolling through the explore page and you'll see the big beefy um, exotic bullies. Yeah, those I that see look like a frogs. Lot yeah, they, they have like short legs, but they look like almost the Hulk. They're exactly. Bow-legged. It, it's Is that not healthy? healthy? No, that's not healthy. Those are backyard breeders. Like there's standards for bullies. Like Interesting. There are standards for bullies and there is an American Bully Association that has um, their own, you know, standard, but even those are not considered in that. <laughs> Real quick, I know pit bulls isn't exactly in this discussion. Um, there's what two breeds that are isn't is pit bull just sort so, of a shorthand name for two different there's a, staffies and so there's American Staffordshire Terrier. There is. The American Pitbull Terrier, um, and then there's like variations. Okay. So American Bulldog, I think, or it's it gets very complicated very quick with bullies, and yeah. you know they are they are healthy dogs if they are to those standards. So that like I said, Staffordshire Terrier comes in standard and miniature, um, and then. Uh, American Pitbull Terrier, I believe, is a breed. I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me okay, on that. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I believe that they have their own breed. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of breeds. There I think are. it's like 192 or something. <laughs> Too many. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, like. I think there's thousands. Yeah, I thought that, like, working with dogs, I'd learn them all, but it's it's so there's too many. You you just see a new dog every time you go to like a dog <laughs> yeah. show. I'm like, what is that? Let yeah. me go, and then I go ask, and I learn about it. When I'm I met interested. you, I was like, a what? A, a borzoi? What the I know. Heck? What? And I had to simple it down and be like, it's a. I have to say wolfhound, and then I go Russian wolfhound, and then once yeah. they get that, I'm like, it's also commonly known as a borzoi. <laughs> I get long-haired greyhound, uh, Italian wolfhound, like a. Yeah, I was Irish thinking wolfhound. like an Italian greyhound type. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are Russian wolfhounds. So yeah. um, I think they even call them Russian greyhounds out of the country too. But um, in the U.S., we call them Russian wolfhounds or borzois. And I think from there we can pop over to good rescues. Yeah, real quick. I have a yeah. few more questions about just yeah. sort of breeding. Um I'll try specifically, to yeah, specifically with females. If it's before or it's her first heat, you're a bad breeder. Yeah, that's if what it's I think. Younger um, than 18 months, you're a bad breeder. Yeah, surely, like I mentioned, Docs, and I think they said like at one year she was just pumping them out since then, and it's just like 11 years in a cage of just pumping babies out. Yeah, like, what yeah. a, what a. It shouldn't be the first heat cycle, and it should not be, mind you, she the was. First year. 
not only was okay. Let me let me let me. If you get grossed out, go ahead and skip ahead a little bit. But not nothing o- much grosses yeah, me out. <laughs> not only so, not only was poor dachshund little baby Shirley living in a cage. She was in a cage for eleven years. All the while pumping out babies, all the while living on top of another dog, but under other dogs because the crates are stacked. They're peeing and pooping on her, like and vice versa. It's a disgusting environment. Yeah, and ugh, just sorry, I just have to mention that because it's just like it is really bad. It is. Some of those uh, puppy mills and that type of environment itself can cause health issues that can be permanent yeah like the pneumonia um ammonia sorry ammonia buildup is probably horrible and that can cause blindness like yeah just all that toxins that they're just literally living like can you imagine yeah. living it Ugh. no um so 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 she was bred real early on and just pumping them pumping them pumping them out i want to say talking to again plum hollow border collies i want to say like he mentioned between two to six or two to eight somewhere in that range is where he'll like breed his females mm-hmm. uh so when is it when is it safe to start breeding a female when should you stop and retire a female is there a different timeline for males so what uh, females um, I typically say anything after 18 months is a good time after doing all the proper testing and, um, you know, if you're doing, you know, the proper stuff, titling your dog. Is that going to be a second heat after? A second it could be a second Probably. or third. Uh, it depends on the breed. Some breeds go once a year, some go six months. So it depends on the dog. Um, but typically I personally don't like seeing dogs bred before the age of two. Um, just because they're young and, you know, they're not going to mainly show health issues that young to, should not ho- should hopefully So that'll show. go for the males as well then? You exactly. Wouldn't want, you wouldn't want a two-year-old male partnering with like a six-year-old female? Not, no, unless he's passed all his testing and, you know, has titles, then you can say maybe some people will collect semen and freeze it. <laughs> Um, and hey, we do that too <laughs> as people, so <laughs> or well, yeah, this is people doing it again, yeah. so I guess, yeah, it's not dogs freezing it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, um, I gotta stop drinking. So, I mean, people will do that and hold on to it and see how the dog progresses, and then from there, use it oh, too. It's wild to just, um, typically for females, I don't like them seeing breed bred after the age of eight, six to eight. Typically, I mean, it depends on the breed again. Some breeds mature faster and some breeds mature slower. Um, and then... Is there a... I assume there's a danger to breeding after that point to the female, maybe? Yeah, it just more complications, harder births. You know, they're older, you know, not as much energy or... Um, Might not be able to sort of yeah <laughs> keep the puppies you know yeah you get you start seeing a nutrition. lot of health issues okay. complications um the risk of complications go up as they get older that makes um, sense may need a c-section to like uh just you know worrying about that type of stuff um for males 
they can pretty much breed almost their whole life. Um, as long as they're healthy, pretty much. As long as they're healthy. Um, if you start seeing, you know, health issues further down the line, you may want to take that male out of breeding and, you know, pay attention to those lines that you've already bred and let, you know, alert the people who want to continue your lines, too. So those are... Oh, yeah, that is something sort of I didn't mention, actually. Yeah, when I... So you mentioned it earlier, and it's something that, again, I checked off on my checklist of, like, yep, when I bought Banjo and Bailey, I... So I had two options. I could get them... I forget the terminology. I could pay a cheaper price, which I did, not because it was cheaper, but because I didn't plan on breeding them. Mm-hmm. So it was like fifteen hundred bucks. Don't breed them. Mm-hmm. Was it not a full registration? Was it half registration? Uh, there's full registration, and I think just registration okay. for like contracts. So I think and this stuff. is just yeah, contract registration that I did. And for more money, it's like yeah, you can. You know, get Show, a fully registered do, yeah. dog that and you, you get can breeding breed. rights. Yeah, so that was that was something to consider and to talk about. But and that's also something you should talk to a breeder about. You shouldn't just buy a dog and then plan to breed it without talking to the breeder because yeah. that's their lineage. Yep. Um, and some breeders are not okay with that. Yeah. So for me, it was a quick like, nope, don't plan on breeding. Yep. I'm just, you know, for me, it's I just want to sort of get. Get me a puppy and, yeah, and enjoy it. <laughs> good breeders will have like a spay neuter contract too, um, depending on what they believe. Um, some breeders are like, don't spay neuter until the age of you know two, and that's for large breeds. That's okay because they're still developing. They're slower to develop. Small breeds, you know, they say age of one. Um, some say you're as long as you're um, conscientious of you know keeping them intact and their you know potential health risks they're okay with you keeping them intact as long as you don't breed but if you keep them intact you gotta keep in mind of those health risks can be life or death for the female typically and then a lot of at-risk stuff for the male so if you you don't plan on breeding i would spay neuter you know depending on the breed at the appropriate age yeah you mentioned last time some of the i think like mammary cancer yep Memory cancer and then pyometra is a big one. That's for life the or death. Yep. Yeah. Males, what is there? Prostate cancer, Prostate cancer. and large testicle cancer stuff like okay. that. Um, how many litters can you expect to have at a reasonable, respectful level where you're not overbreeding the dog? So I personally believe in giving the female like a year off and in that year off, you should be doing stuff with, you know, your female trying to better, again, the breed. Um, I don't personally like back-to-back breeding because it doesn't give the dog time to recover. Um, there is some signs that it could be healthier that way. It's just, I think it's also a matter of opinion of certain vets. Every vet will tell you something different because it's a subjective matter of opinion and in research in their own. Mm. Um, so it just really depends... I personally am against back-to-back readings. That makes sense. And I imagine there's got to be... So when we first got Shirley, she would... I, this, I don't know if this is actually what happened, but I associate in my head... She had all these, these stuffed toys, and I 
swear she thought they were her baby. She would yep. take That's all of these toys to her bed. Yep. And she she would snuggle them and protect these tiny little like little T Rex little <laughs> plush squeaky like dog yeah. toys, you know. Um, that's a thing. They is can there psychological false pregnancies where they think that, or if they've been breeding, you know, and they feel the extra hormones, um, it can turn them very maternal. Okay. Um, maternal aggression is a big thing too. If the dog develops aggression after the puppies are born, that's a dog you don't want to breed because that can be passed down to other dogs. Is that aggression towards people? People, other dogs, you know, just like overstimulated. So overwhelmed not it's hard it's she, they pretty much just want, are protective so they become overprotective and it, some of them don't snap out of it after that mm. so it just really depends like on the dog itself oh yeah that's easy to understand i feel from a human level mm-hmm. i if i i don't have any children but if i had a children and you took my child away i would be extremely furious <laughs> like i i kind of i can relate that, yeah. i think to that um okay um i if you have a one last question just mm-hmm. and then we can hop over to the rescues let's say that i had the full registration for bailey mm-hmm. and she's turning four on on her next birthday let's say let's say i i bred her she has her first litter is she at other than the fact that she's not fixed so she might get the mammary cancer and the what is the other pyometra pyometra yes um other than that from not being fixed is there any potential medical issues just from the fact that she had a litter or not what? that she had a litter, but that she's having a litter. She may need like a C-section if, okay. um, you know, she's not able to pass them. Um, they can get, I can't remember the word off the top. It starts with a D off the top of my head where the puppies get stuck. Um, you can get puppies that die and mummify inside there and cause sepsis. Um, so there's a lot of stuff you got to worry about for the female and that's why good breeders will have a good amount of money set aside for in case of emergency stuff and be willing to spay that female if she needs to, you know, is not able to, you know, continue breeding. Because mm-hmm. um, some, you know, breed breeds um, have issues where they pretty much ruin their, um, their ovaries and their reproductive tract because of puppies. That seems... Just applying human level thinking to that prospect. It's like that sounds like a really I it's mean It's scary. It's meant to scare you, but at the same time yeah. it responsible people know like what they're prepared puppies for. Puppy seems like a overwhelming experience for a female dog. That's like mm-hmm. whew. Wow. My dad used to breed his German shepherds and uh her first litter, she only had two puppies, one very large puppy, and I always used to tease them. I'm like, she absorbed the other ones. She ate the other ones, and one very small one. Um, and then the second litter, she had 10 puppies. So I can't even imagine that. I think there was one stillborn, so there was 11 total and 10 live. And that's that's a lot a on lot a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see why. After that, she got speed, so. Like, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't, 
Uh, yeah. And that changes their Males fur. Males have a much yeah. easier job. They just they do exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Same in the human life too. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. So I guess yeah, we can hop into. So 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 I've never participated in rescuing a dog or in fostering a dog. So I have absolutely nothing to add to this conversation other than I asked my friend Kayla who fosters for is it Oh god, I feel so bad not knowing it. Pause New England. Does that ring a bell? Something Maybe. like that. Yeah. Anyway, she mentioned and I'm I'm just curious if you like what if you agree, which I probably imagine you would. So Kayla mentioned to look for rescues that spay and neuter before adopting out as long as they're of age. If not, I guess they send out a contract for puppies and they follow up on it to make sure that they get that done. Mm -hmm. And a rescue that is willing to take back a return dog for anything other than a serious biting incident. Mm -hmm. um, sure of shows that they're fully committed to the dog's um, is that something you agree with, disagree with? But, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. Mainly, you know, for good rescues, you want to see a group that um, is knowledgeable of their dogs, of every specific dog that you ask about. Um, they vet you for, you know, if you're a good fit for that dog, um, as well as if that dog is a good fit for you. Um, they also do as much vetting as possible for that dog, um, for it to be adopted out. Because obviously a good rescue does not want to send an unhealthy dog to a family and then have that pet be returned because they can't handle the uh, medical conditions. Um, you know, or, sorry, just to add to that, or if they, it's a dog that they say, you know, needs to be in a pet or a house with no other pets, mm -hmm. you know, I imagine some people try to sneak that through like, oh, well figure it out yeah, and lie people, yeah. and then it's like well now what do you do if when that you can't you know what i mean it. yeah um and that's like a good thing is the rescue group should have transparency full transparency on that dog if they have a history if that dog can't be around cats can't be around children can't be around other dogs um if it you know is fearful of men fearful of women you know so not trying to just push a dog off exactly. onto just anyone but trying to find a fit. they don't want to see that dog back or they don't want to see that dog in a shelter. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously you want to be able to vibe with that rescue group because if you don't get good feelings from that rescue group, it's probably not a good rescue group. Mm -hmm. um, like I had actually, so talking about Kayla again, mm -hmm. she just adopted her third dog. She's got three dogs and then she fosters dogs. She fosters a lot of dogs. She, <laughs> She she's she does a good job. Um so in when she was getting this third dog, uh I got she used me as a reference and yeah, I got a phone call. Mm -hmm. It's probably like a forty five minute conversation. Yeah, because they want to make you sure know, it's it wasn't a like home. a hey, is Kayla good? <laughs> yep. All right, thanks. It was and like <laughs> they should be calling um her vet for references too, because typical Really good rescues will check to make sure that the dog's up to date on flea tick and heartworm prevention, up to date on a heartworm test, have the bare minimum core vaccines being rabies, distemper, we and need, Bordetella. We need that for, sorry, this has not, <laughs> we need that for literal people and children. I know. Hey, are you taking care of your children? Okay, you are. You can have more children. Exactly. Like, oh, that would solve so many problems exactly. in this world. 
so many. Um, and then they should be doing home checks too, either via Zoom because that can that's been happening now and that's been working okay. out, or um, via you know person. Um, another person, another good res- reason for a rescue. Good rescue. There we go. Words. Drinking too much wine now. Um, so do they? Sorry, just to back you up a bit. So they'll come to your house. Just make sure it's like uh, sanitary, s- safe. Safe, exactly. You know, you're not. You don't Some have seventy-two require, boxes. You know, a fence or yeah. Make sure you don't have any pets that you're lying about. Yeah. Um, make sure that other people in the house want this dog because that can cause issues and you don't want a homeless person and a homeless dog, um, as well as like landlord situations. They'll check with landlords. Um, that's a big one. Um, and then they should also uh, be making sure that, uh, I lost my train of thought here. I had something and then that's you distracted okay. me. That, that's okay, sorry. Um, let me just read through here. Take your time. <laughs> I've got plenty of questions. So Meeting the dog. You should meet the dog before it comes home, and if you have any other animals, you sh- that dog should meet those animals to make sure it's a good fit. A lot, I've personally noticed, of rescues will do like a foster adopt. So foster the dog to see if it's a good fit. If it's not, you still foster it until it gets adopted. Or um, you meet the dog and you bring your dogs or you know, have the doctor come to your home and see how everyone reacts type of situation. Um, but you should always meet the dog before adopting it. Yeah. And I think it is absolutely critical. I've never rescued a dog outside of wiener dogs. So like they don't requ- they're easy. They're easy to take care of mm-hmm. compared to a border collie or other dogs so i haven't rescued like a high maintenance dog is what i would say so i would absolutely just based on like my experience with dogs i think it's absolutely critical that you would meet that a dog you're rescuing especially especially if it's not a puppy and And it's a good idea to ask the foster questions as well because the foster mm -hmm. may have a different experience with this dog than the rescue the rescue gets this dog and they get told what they're told and they do some tests with it to see if it's good with people, other dogs, other cats. And then it goes to the foster home where that's where it starts to, you know, settle in and starts to, you know, feel more comfortable in itself. So that's a good person to ask all your questions. If you have any concerns, um, they can really tell you, you know, if it's going to be a good fit or not. And a lot of Mm -hmm. times the rescues will leave the foster to make the final decision. The fosters will say this application is approved let me know how the meet and greet goes. And if the meet and greet goes well, the foster will tell the rescue and they'll set everything up for the actual adoption. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't go well, the um, foster will say, I don't think they're a good fit. Maybe they can try another dog. Yeah. And that that's very important because you don't want to get a dog that doesn't match your personality, personality or yeah. lifestyle. Um, yeah. So I think it's so critical to meet meet a rescue because like you just sort of mentioned you don't know it's history know what you're getting yeah like you you can roughly gauge but you don't really know and exactly that's gonna be something that 
It's a flip of a is coin. It's going to take months. Yeah. I mean, it's it might take, and some dogs it might take, take a year. Exactly. Like, it, the first couple of weeks, it's sober and new. It's, mm-hmm. you know, getting comfortable. It's learning your routine. A couple months, it's getting, you know, more comfortable with itself. And even up to a year, that dog is finally, you know, settling and is not afraid that it's just going to be, you know, tossed aside to a new home or anything. Because that dog's yeah. probably been through multiple different places to get to the place it is now. And, and I've heard ex- that the kennel, like I've, again, not working in that or being in that environment, I heard it can be so stressful. Like it dogs can, can if get severe. It comes severe. from a, a shelter. Yeah. It can be pretty scary for that dog. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I the one rescue I work with, pause for, pause for survival, there we go, um, is where I've gotten all my fosters from and Jetta as well, which is my rescue. She's my first dog. She's an angel baby. Um, but uh, you've seen her at dog parts. She's a little bit more timid, stranger danger type of dog, and which that's I'm totally fine with that. I don't need my dogs going up to strangers who could potentially kidnap them, hurt them. Um, but that is also a fear if she ever, you know, bolted. She never has given me any inclination. But if she did, no one's yeah. gonna be able to touch her. Right. Type of situation. Yeah. Whereas with a puppy, you don't need to meet them. You know, like, it's good, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a necessity. Like, if you're getting a, a 10-week-old puppy mm-hmm. versus a 4-year-old rescue, mm-hmm. I think it's 100% critical you meet the dog, meet that rescue. But if you meet the puppy, or like Bailey. I didn't meet Bailey till she was, like, 16 weeks old, I think. Mm-hmm. She was a bit older. And I that's got, totally fine. And it was fine. We're fine. Yeah. You know? Like... She doesn't have a life that she's trying to recover move from. on from. Yeah. yeah. Like it's everything's new and fresh and exactly. good stimuli. It's not an overwhelming sense of stimulus that's yeah. just sending her into this. Ugh, I think I've know. had eight fosters so far. I've had, um, I think a year after I got Jetta, I got my first foster. Two fosters. I did two. <laughs> that was crazy. At the same I did time. Not. Yep, I did uh, like a Sharpay mix. Um, Are those the like squishy, rolly dogs? Yeah, kind um, of like... he has a big like nose yeah, and yeah. stuff. Uh, he was okay. He got he was already like pre-adopted. Like his application was already approved, and they did the meet and greet the following. Um, he had to be stay with me for forty eight hours as like a quarantine period, and then he got to meet his the potential family, and it worked out. And then he went home the following day. The other one I had was us. Uh, Sav, um, Savici, I called him Sav. Uh, he was a really, really good dog, just so high energy, though. Like, so high energy that I don't think even you could handle him. Like, he needed Damn. a farm that he could just be running 24-7. Yeah. He was like a Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever slash duck tolling retriever mix, and I loved him. Everyone called him Meryl Streep because he looked like Meryl Streep, I guess, so... <laughs> Um, beautiful dog, but just energy level through the roof. Like I was doing 15 miles a day with him and I was so drained by the time he, then I had him for a long time because he got attacked by a poodle at the dog park, (laughs) sadly. Um, and from there he developed, you know, fearful fear aggression. So it Mm. took him longer to find a home. Um, and that that could have been something too that he had all along, but that attack may have triggered it. 
I don't know, because I didn't have him that long before he was attacked. Um, and he wasn't, like, wounded or anything, but that dog pummeled him <laughs> to the ground. Poor baby. Yeah, it's the same one that tries to attack Shiloh every time I go, so. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Same poodle? Yeah, same poodle. Like a standard black poodle. Nothing mm. against poodles. I like poodles. Standard poodles. I like them. Yeah. Um, uh, but I that one has something out for me. What was his me. name? Luigi? Luigi, Luigi, maybe? No, the dog you fostered? Ceviche. Ceviche. I love that. Uh, I wonder, so he, he, he sounds like he reminds me of my border collies. Mm-hmm. And sorry, slight tangent off of the rescues. With Bailey and Banjo, Mm -hmm. 15 miles, right? Say say we went hiking 15 miles. It's very much like, all right, let's do it again. And I'm like, oh, it's it's very Mm -hmm. much mental. He was ready to go for another 15, and I was like, I can't (laughs) do it anymore. Like, I had him on a bike. I was on my bike. Yeah, it's very much. And he was running that whole time. With them, yeah, it's uh, getting their mental... That that brain fried is I know. the it's is the key. The, yeah, <laughs> a tired dog is a happy dog. It can be tough. Yeah, a tired uh, dog is a happy dog. And that's something I try to incorporate with my daycare. Is it's not necessarily how much time I spend at the dog park, um, running around because I also try to make sure that they don't like over exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Olympic athletes, they're not out there running every day. They take rest days. Exactly. Um, so I try to keep in mind not to overrun them and also to... So the dog park does get them mentally tired, all the smells, the sights and whatnot, but doing things at the house, switching up like environments. Like sometimes I go to my parents' house, um, especially I notice when the packs here at my house after the dog park they're snuggly and very social even some of the dogs that like don't play with each other will like snuggle together Mm -hmm. and like i can just tell like they're mentally just like wiped out and that's that's like always been like my key is to just make sure the mental yeah aspect is just like yeah and um, i think you you met my last foster valley little valley little baby oh yeah she kept up with shallow just Mm -hmm. great um she was like a they actually just did a dna test on her and she came back um schnauzer husky chihuahua pug okay which was a, i could see the chihuahua yeah and she she's only like <laughs> husky no 13 pounds keep maybe that the speed maybe the speeds where um, the husky comes from yeah she found a really good home and it was a good fit uh that do you miss any of the dogs that you so are there any that like specifically you the one i got before shiloh um he was a little chihuahua and i personally am not a big fan of chihuahuas because i you know the stereotype yappy little shit bags you know um spoiled don't touch the ground ever they're carried everywhere oh uh, there's a <laughs> I, I love this this woman anya at the dog park she's got like she's always fostering chihuahuas yeah. and she's got three and today all three <laughs> were in three different directions trembling it's like <laughs> fucking chihuahuas um his name was ozzy um, still is Ozzy. She kept his name, which is really cool. Ozzy the Ham on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was abused. He Someone broke his bottom jaw. Um, so he only had half of his bottom jaw. So his tongue stuck out. And it, it actually kind of made him cuter. No Wait, offense. Yeah. It was broken. So then they had to remove it? Yeah, because it, it wasn't fixable. It was an old injury and he couldn't eat and it was painful. Uh, from the... The joint? So not the down. joint, actual jaw. 
bone. But like they from the joint the, down or? So farther down the face. He was sit. So did he have half a? So he had half a jaw. Like, so he had the, oh. uh, like a nub of a jaw bottom. Oh my God. So Someone like no chin base. Like. Yeah. He didn't have a chin. Someone kicked him and broke his jaw. Wow. Yeah. Um, huh. And you see the How? dark stuff when you foster. You start to see, you know, the actual. How know. does a dog like that eat? So he fine? actually ate fine. He, the tongue was nor was yeah, fine? I, yeah. He ate fine. He actually preferred hard food. He didn't like the soft food. Um, and he was a ballsy little dog. I really Animals. liked him. Um, he kept up with my grandmother's German Shepherd and Jetta who I ran about five miles a day. Um, and he was perfect. I mean, when he got cold, he'd come over and snuggle, and I'd carry him. And I was like, wow, I'm one of these chihuahua people now. And I'm like, if this meet and greet doesn't go well, I told um, the um, president of the rescue that I was going to keep him. And she was fine with that, but she met the most perfect family. Yeah. And I can't even be mad about it, but I definitely miss him 110%. I, I would have kept him. I, I said if I kept him, I may have not even gotten Shiloh. Like, it was that type of right. wow. uh, situation. But I probably would have gotten Shiloh. What am I saying? <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> I, all right. Um, why, why would someone kick a dog in the face and br- to the point where it, you break its jaw? I know Chihuahua's a fragile, but... If I had an answer but... for that, they'd probably, you know, figure out why people abuse dogs on the daily. Yeah. And, you know... That's rough. It's really sad. Um, a lot of those, you know, dogs come from, you know, abuse, neglect situations. And, you know, I said this last time, it's only an excuse for the dog's behavior to be abuse, neglect yeah. for so long before you're, you're at a point where you're supposed to try to be bettering this dog and trying to improve its life. So, um, you know, the first couple times, yes, you can use it was abused or neglected as an excuse. But after that, you know, you should be really working with a behaviorist or a trainer to try to better this dog's life because that dog's living obviously not its best life. <laughs> yeah, Lucas, the humpy dog, mm-hmm. the one that was humping Crumb. Yep. <laughs> uh, and who went missing not too long ago. Right up there on the wall. Uh, he he very much fit that glove. Like, he was abused, mm-hmm. left to die, beat with a stick, blah, blah, blah. They don't use that in a, as an excuse. Exactly. And Chris and Robin continuously are trying to work on him to better him. Like Exactly. An issue they had was, especially if it was a male. Mm-hmm. I think a male abused him. He does not like my dad. But when men come to the, their house, he goes nuts. And that's something, instead of being like, oh, well, he was abused, it's like, no, let's work on that. And yeah. they've gotten him to a point where he can calm down, mm-hmm. he can relax, he can let the male come in. And it's yeah. like, that's exactly what you should be doing. And a good is, rest, you know, if they know this dog has issues, should be able to help you find a behaviorist or a trainer or someone reputable to be able to help, you know, with your that dog certain situations if that's a dog you want to continue with mm-hmm. um also a good idea to ask why the dog was surrendered or returned um if it was or if it was a stray you want to try to get as much as you can get out of it you know find out its history i know harder said than done with you know strays 
and um, surrenders with no, you know, information background, but try to figure out why the dog was surrendered or returned. Um, other than that, um, there are breed-specific rescues that are good rescues that work with specific dog breeds. So there's um, a Doberman rescue. That's where a lot of my mom got her dogs because um, she loves Dobermans. Um, there's, a, I think they're out of New Hampshire, maybe. I, they were really good rescue. I liked working with them. Well, I didn't personally work with them, but my mom did, and I grew up with that. So we always had Dobermans at the house. Um, but if you're looking for a specific rescue and you don't want to necessarily purchase a dog, you can always go through a breed-specific rescue and get as much information as you can out of that dog. And if, you know, some certain breeds to fit your lifestyle, too. Say you want a Border Collie, but you don't want to purchase a Border Collie because there's no reputable breeders around you and you don't want to travel, but there's a rescue. Make sure they're, you know, reputable, but there are um, breed-specific rescues. Yeah, with that, I want to give you the flip side of that, too. Okay. So, um, with, with certain dogs like Border Collies, I tried to go actually first through a rescue mm -hmm. and because I had no experience, I totally understand yeah. why. A lot of them want you to have experience with that yeah, breed before. Most of them didn't even email me back. Yep. Um, so it was to the point where it's like, I had to go to a breeder mm -hmm. only because it was sort of like, all right. Stingy. <laughs> I, and I totally get it because certain dogs require so much. Mm -hmm. um, so I totally understand that from like a breed specific standpoint. Yeah. For my breed, there's so few Borzois in need of rescue that they have to like actually import dogs from out of the country. Oh, really? Um, to, you know, get them into better situations, living situations. Um, so yeah, I can't again, go both why ways. I went with the breeder. Yeah. Cause I always thought maybe I'll get one from a rescue and you know, mm -hmm. but you try to find a Borzoi in a rescue. They're, they're a rare breed to begin with. So to find one in a rescue is very hard because most of the dogs that are, you know, uh, need to be rehomed are taken back by the breeder. Again, another reason why they don't, good breeders do not contribute to shelter populations or take homes away from shelter dogs because someone who's going to get a Borzoi is not going to find one in a rescue situation. Very rarely. Yeah. Very, 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 very rarely. <laughs> yeah, there weren't many, like, border collies when I was looking. But again, like, that goes to, like, our, I was so determined to get a border collie mm -hmm. that it's, like, the adopt-don't-shop mentality wasn't there. Now, personally, I don't have any room at the fucking table for the mm -hmm. adopt-don't-shop yep. thing. Because I hear it all the time, and I'm like, I do my due diligence. Mm -hmm. I have an adopted dog, I foster, and I have my dogs that I've bought. Yeah, like if you could listen to me talk about the Plum Hollow Border Collie experience, and then say like, I can't believe you would support something like that. Yeah. It's just like you're delusional. I can't help you. Yeah. But same for the other end. I imagine it exists. It does. There's always extremes of people They're who like, are like, "Why would you get a mutt?" Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's I'm just like, like, I don't have time for that. No. Like, if if you didn't buy it as a puppy necessarily, like if you rescue it, um, you know, a dog, giving it a better life, it's just like I don't have time for that shit. 
Yeah. It's like exactly. If you're giving too a, toxic. a dog a better <laughs> life either way, it right. shouldn't be, you know. Um, so we're going to hop over to kill shelters. Kill shelters. Yeah. That's I know. So Down south, right? Mostly. So I imagine they're everywhere. Is anywhere muni- municipal government funded shelters? Almost everywhere has them. Um, and they're not bad. I support kill shelters. They're labeled as kill shelters because they have the option to euthanize pets where privately owned rescues will typically take pets that don't need to be euthanized. Like a hot take right here. It is. <laughs> I it support is. kill shelters. Whoa. And, and <laughs> that's just like a term, a derogatory term given to them. And it's not that they actually are kill shelters. Every single employee is working to either better that pet, get the health care it needs, or adopt it. However, they can't say no to anybody because they're a municipal shelter. Private shelters can turn anyone the way they want. They don't have to take surrenders. They can work on whatever pets they want. They can take pets from other shelters, even kill shelters. Mm. So they are not bad. They are not the enemy. So I think the main reason behind that is because, you know, they have the option to kill or not kill, euthanize, humanely euthanize pets that have been there for the longest, have behavioral issues medical issues that they are not able to you know find a home for and they're making room for more pets that they have to take not necessarily that they can't turn away they have to take those pets yeah um let me give you a little pushback just from an uneducated standpoint because i do (laughs) see a lot of like facebook posts where someone will post like a dog like i'm in a lot of like border collie groups mm-hmm. and it's very rare but like one came through was in texas here's this dog it's in a kill shelter it's got like 24 hours until it's killed like you Keep know and mind, all these people come together i will say a lot of dogs will have more than 24 hours okay it's until they have overflow is when they have to start putting the pets that have been there the longest mm-hmm. to sleep sadly yeah um, i just want to throw that in while you still talk yeah so Whenever I see those posts, I got to admit, I definitely get this sense of like, oh, my God, like I need to rescue this, this dog. I don't have room. I don't have money. Yeah. But I need to. And then I click on like, let's say that shelters page. And I'm just like, oh, God, scrolling through. And there's a lot Um, more there. And some of them. And again, it's going to be so dependent on the place. But some of them, some of the posts I've seen come off a little like, ooh, like the way they've worded it. It's almost like. Like they make you feel guilty. Yeah. Like, or some, some of them make you, made me feel like they don't care. Not that they enjoy it, but they don't necessarily care. Um, I think they have to come at it as like a, like a blank neutral thing because yeah, just for their own mental exactly health of dealing with i can't imagine know. having to put that many pets down a day that are i'm personally against behavioral euthanasias and uh, could you expand on that what so exactly do you mean by that usually when a dog has a behavioral issue so biting people attacking people showing aggressive signs i believe that if usually they people don't go through all the steps to try to stop that they just jump right to the euthanasia um so i believe again i'm against 
behavioral euthanasia is unless all options are exhausted. So surrendering the dog, working with drugs and a behaviorist, working with a specialized behaviorist, um, trying your hardest for that dog before jumping right to euthanasia. But, I mean, that's just something I'm personally against, and Mm -hmm. I don't partake in in any sort of way at my hospital or at the ER. It's just something I'm not comfortable to, you know, sit in because I know most of the time those people did not do that, mm-hmm. those steps to try to better the dog. Yeah, uh, Kayla, the woman I mentioned earlier about like fostering, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it I think in episode two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're at such a low count now where we can actually recall like the episode, <laughs> but uh, I mentioned that she she fostered dog. Uh, Pitbull, Ingle. Mm-hmm. I met him. Uh, he was a good dog. I could, I could tell he was a little on edge. Mm-hmm. So she's got a, she's got a bait dog that had a miserable life, Kane. And Ingle was trying to start stuff with Kane. And I got to tell you, for a bait dog, he's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's very not. He's very like That's non-confrontational. That's why they're bait dogs. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he went, my two cents, without going super into detail on all the little things that led me to this mm-hmm. mindset, my two cents was that Kane. So so I went over for a quick photo shoot. She had three pitties that she was fostering. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you the link to the sm- <laughs> It's super cute, and. Um, at the time, so she had the three babies. She had her dog, Kane, who she just rescued, and she had Engel, who she was fostering. Mm-hmm. And we went to get, like, a group photo. And I should have said something. Sorry if you're watching this, Kayla. I should have said something. She uh, she had the she had Kane and Engel on the leash, mm-hmm. and I could kind of see a little bit of posturing from Engel. Uh, and he, he kind of went after Kane. Kane defended himself. Um, the only reason I mentioned that is fast forward a few months, Ingle escaped his rescues. So, so she fostered him. He got rescued. He escaped. Mm-hmm. He attacked dog. And I think he just got put down recently. Yeah. And that's also when animal control gets involved. Yeah. Um, and they sometimes make the decision for the people that the dog needs to be put down. Okay. Um, it's not always the owner or the rescue's decision. Too, yeah. So. Do you personally think that that was something that, like just sort of just thinking about what you just said a couple minutes ago, how do you feel about something like, like so he broke out? So if it was known that he was kind of, you know, that type like of Like on behavior. edge. Exactly. Kind of. It should have been, you know, addressed sooner rather than later that potentially, you know, prevent that Mm -hmm. that's not always saying that it will happen some dogs are you know set in that and keep in mind you said they were pit bulls right yeah they are bred genetically to fight yep um a lot of them have dog aggression that is something genetic um they were bred because they were thrown in a pit and they were fighting and the best fighters were bred so Mm -hmm. they may be little pibbles and you know fur moms that you know want to support their breed and i 100 percent understand that but also keep in mind it is genetic for them to have 
potentially like, some sort of dog aggression in them. It's it almost sounds like breeding gladiators, pretty much. Exactly. Like <laughs> just the, the brutest. Yeah. yeah, and I mean <laughs> that's not every do- pit bull. Obviously, there's amazing right. dogs out there. Yeah, like Kane. Um, I, it, <laughs> I tell you, like, because Kane and Engel kind of went at it, and in the moment, I could see it about to happen. But like, the thing I know behind the scenes. So I look. I I like. If I didn't know anything, I'd look at it like, oh, well, Kane's a bait dog. He might have started with Engel. But she's fostered, like, literally, like, 20 dogs in the past yeah. few years. The amount of dogs that have come in and out without issue mm-hmm. with the bait dog, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, tells me that he is not, like, super aggressive or, like, whatever. Yeah. Just certain dogs put off that. Yeah, and exactly. And dogs don't like, you know, it's like, whoa, you know. Uh, uh, and Yeah, so do you think they're... Do you think there was any hope for him? There could have been. I think there could have been if there had been early intervention. And it's the same goes when people get German Shepherd puppies mm-hmm. and they don't do any training and then they become defensive and protective of their family and then stranger, you know, walks by their house and the dog gets out the door and bites them. A lot of people just kind of give up on the dog from there i'm like yeah it's you crazy you mentioned training. that i totally forgot but i know somebody who that happened in their puppy german shop shepherd they had to surrender yep i'll have a more puppy crazy yeah. it's it's crazy and um again that's something i don't like to touch with a 10-foot pole because i personally think there's things that could be done beforehand before jumping right to euthanasia um obviously a lot of that costs a lot of money for specialists and trainers, and obviously not everyone can afford that, but trying to reach out to rescues that could help them, you know, find someone to help them too mm-hmm. as well. That's always an option. Um, so if I told you, if I were to say to you that not every dog can be helped and fixed, mm-hmm. would you agree or disagree? I would agree. Okay. Not every dog can be fixed. Once, you know, they're set in their ways, it's very, very hard to fix that. We have a um, a German Shepherd Akita mix. And I'm like, two worst breeds you could breed together. And you have <laughs> a German Shepherd Akita mix. Um, and he is super aggressive. Since his first appointment as a puppy, um, he showed signs of aggression. And, you know, again, that's the two breeds mixed together. They got it because it's a cool beefy looking breed that's gonna turn out to be cool again he has to wear a basket he literally looks like Campbell Lecter um <laughs> no those Frenchies and the little masks and there's, we do have like... a Frenchie just like that too a horrible I'm gonna have to put a picture of those in with the little... <laughs> I'm sure most of the time those dogs are good dogs within their home but the moment they step outside it's game over you know yeah. do you feel like that's a lot of in a rescue sense, it's so hard to tell. But if you get them from a puppy, do you feel that's a failure on the owner's part more than a yes. genetic thing, usually? Like it's, lack it's of socialization. Hand in hand. Lack it's of, hand in hand. It, if the owner doesn't do their part and that dog's already prone to that, then it's failure on both ends. So Yeah, I agree. And that, um, we'll just jump back to uh, kill shot because that's when a lot of people start you know, dropping them off and surrendering them mm-hmm. to those municipal shelters who cannot say no. And that's eventually leading to overpopulation and overflow in their rest uh, shelters 
that they start have to put, making those decisions, the pets that cannot be adopted versus um, the long-term pets that have been there or the pets that have medical conditions that cannot, you know, be medically managed, they start to have to do that. And then they get the stigma that they're a kill shelter and less and less people are adopting from them. And that's taking homes away from them for those potential animals to get homes. Yeah, maybe there's a, like a so it's like a backhanded stigma slip. around kill shelters. Just sort of thinking it again from my lack of experience, like mm-hmm. all this information, I got to listen to this like four times yeah. to pull it all in. But it seems like because without this conversation, would you think about going to a kill shelter? Right. Like when I hear that, what I think is almost like it's like this place where they're just dumping dogs off to be killed. Like not even to be like rescued, just to be like, here they are. These guys can't be helped. Kill them. Yeah. But I guess so that's not the reality. It's not the reality. It's pets are being dropped off, surrendered, strays, um, animal control drop offs. Are there any in Massachusetts? I believe so. I don't. There, they have to be because I think it's government funded. So I think every like state has their own municipal shelter, okay. which is technically a kill shelter. And I keep doing the quotations because mm, yeah. I don't want to use the word kill shelter because they're not always they're like they're trying their hardest here to get these animals adopted. And that's why you see the posts on Facebook where like this pet has forty eight hours. Will you sponsor it or foster it or adopt it? And typically they do have lower adoption rates than privately owned rescues because they want to see these animals get adopted. Obviously, you're going to get vetted first. Obviously, you're going to, you know, they're going to try to set this animal up for success. They're going to tell you it needs training. They may not be able to, you know, tell you exactly what trainer to go to, but they're going to tell you this dog needs training. This dog needs medical care. Um, A lot of them will actually, you know, fund a lot of medical stuff for to, for dogs too. Like a dog with a broken leg, they'll treat that dog with a broken leg. And while that dog's healing, try to, you know, get that dog out there to be adopted. Um, just thinking about, especially with kill shelters, I know using that that term just feels so ugh. yeah um just thinking about volume uh i can't imagine Ooh, excuse me i can't imagine that you would know like how many are in shelters i don't want to know honestly yeah. but just thinking about like even just thinking about because they can't say no that's yeah. the thing is they legally cannot say no to any cat dog bird rabbit any animal yeah, that is surrendered to, to them. And just thinking real quick, and I know this number is extremely low, but just thinking about 10 dogs. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the shelter has 10 dogs. Just thinking of all what you just said, that's such a time-consuming process per individual animal mm-hmm. that what you sort of say... I, I feel like what you're saying can actually be truthful just based on like, look, these people do care. The amount of time and effort they have to put into one effing animal just to get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like On top of the stigma that's already telling people not to go to kill shelters. Right. Like, I can't imagine doing that 10, all right, we got 10 dogs we got to do that for. Let alone mm-hmm. they probably have 
Keep in mind, a couple of those probably have really bad skin issues. You see a lot of them with, like, chronic allergies, um, like, broken body parts, you know. They're not the prettiest pets. Exactly. And they're not the prettiest pets. And that I feel like that should be also mentioned for bad rescues is that they only take, you know, the cute adoptable pets and, you know, they don't actually try to afford the effort for, you know, hospice, senior, medical, um, concerned animals. Mm. And then they only want the puppies. Again, a lot of bad rescues work with puppy mills. Yeah, so where would the incentive be there? Uh, Obviously, monetary. Push the puppies out and get money. (laughs) Okay, so they would would sort of, the puppy mill would supply the rescuer with some sort of money. Puppies grow up puppies that haven't, you know, been bought from, you know, the source. Yeah, because if they've got 80 puppies... (laughs) <laughs> that, a lot more. <laughs> I know that they're just thinking about that's insane. Yeah, they get eighty puppies. Here's sixty of them for a good price or whatever. You exactly. know what I mean? Get rid of them for me. Exactly. Holy crap, that's insane. It's, it's shame on you if you do that. Seriously, shame on you if you do that. It's that sick. is disgusting. Yep. Disgusting. And uh, I think we can start talking about bad rescues now that we've yeah. talked about municipal shelters not being one of them, but bad rescues. Um, working with puppy mills, yeah. backyard breeders. Real quick, there's got to definitely mm-hmm. be good kill shelters and bad kill shelters, question mark? I'm guessing maybe. Yeah. I don't know from I experience. feel like anything and everything in the universe Has is a on a, a spectrum. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, there's some that suck, some that are great, most yeah. are in the middle. I just, Bell curve. I think most are good because the people who are working there are trying so hard for these animals. Mm. They will even reach out to like other rescues, like privately owned rescues to try to work with like certain pets too. I've seen that a lot. Um, but there, I think there's a good or bad to anyone. You know? yeah. So don't judge a book by its cover. Exactly. Yeah. You know, get to know them and figure it out for real. Um, yeah. It's so easy. Sorry. And then we can get on to, to, to bad rescues but it's so easy to say what a shame you're an awful organization but those are people who have feelings who have to show up there every day and do that and they have to put down animals that they're trying so hard to you know rescue Mm -hmm. and i i think there's a lot of suicide rates in those type of situations i can imagine i can't imagine meeting a dog that you know is so good and you just can't find it a home and you have to put it down, that would exactly. crush me. That would destroy me. Yeah, it's not easy. Without a doubt, yeah. Not easy at all. Yeah, so what should I What should I look for when I rescue a dog? What should, what should be the warning signs? What are some for of a the... bad rescue. Yeah. All right. So they ask you to commit to a dog without you actually ever meeting them or getting any history. That's obviously a, a bad sign. Yeah, they they don't... just want to get rid of it. Yeah, they're pretty much trying to push it on you. Um, they're like, you want this dog. You want it. You want it. You want it. Look how cute it is. Look how pretty it is. Um, they don't provide you with medications or clear health records. They don't tell you why it was surrendered or where it came from, any history that they could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do some type of interview. Now, to be fair, though, real quick, mm-hmm. I imagine sometimes that might be legit where they don't have any idea if they don't they should be straightforward yeah. and be like this dog was astray 
We don't know its whole medical history. This is our medical history that we have mm-hmm. that we got on this pet because it has to be checked before it's sent to a human. Like a, they need to have a vet check before they go to a home. Okay. Every re- reputable rescue will have records of a vet appointment before it goes to you. That's super important. Um, and making sure they're up to date on vaccines. Um, yeah, I could not imagine adopting a dog. Just thinking about the process, the stringent process of purchasing Bailey and Banjo and all the health. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine purchasing a or going and getting a rescue dog and not having a single shred of like, hey, it's healthy. Like, yeah, Oof. yeah, that would be a bad. <laughs> That's huge. Um, That's crazy. And then they also don't make it like a initiative to get the dog returned to them if it doesn't work out. Like they're like, Neh. they just want to get rid of it and exactly. never touch it again. Exactly. Um, like I said, they don't do an interview, a vet check, a home check. Um, and then they may not even ask you, you know, personal questions about your life. If you have like a apartment, can you even have this dog? Um, they're not registered as a nonprofit. Um, so like the 501c3, um, that's, those are registered rescues. Um, one that isn't, I'd be a little skeptical if it's brand new and just getting its foot on the grounds and working on paperwork. That's another thing. But if, yeah, is there a registry or something yes. like, so like the AKC, you can go there, you can find the, breeders. there is a registry for, um, rescues. Okay. Um, all the 501c3 rescues are on your local government website. So mass.gov for us. Um, and I double-checked this. I went and looked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I, <laughs> I got to look into this because I'm not 100% sure, and there was. Um, and then they don't have a contract with you, obviously. They just kind of, here's my money. Here's the dog. So what you're telling me, mm-hmm. what you literally just told me is there's absolutely no reason for you to get a dog that wasn't responsible. That like in a non-response, like you can literally go online and find on the AKC website, good breeders that do it responsibly and you can find good (laughs) rescues. Exactly. Keep in mind there are breeders on the AKC website who may not do all the testing though. You got to be able to do Mm. your individual research. Okay. Um, So take it more as a... It's reference, a reference guideline. Yep. Because as soon as you have, I think, a certain amount of litters, you can be registered as a, a breeder on the AKC website. However, you have to the AKC rec- website actually like has like breeder of merit, which means they do all the recommended health testing. Um, they have like a contract. They have like they tell you what each breeder has. So make sure you do your research. Just because it's on the AKC website, okay. just means they are registered breeders. Have had more than like five letters or so, so still. No, that's fair enough. It's a good yeah. place. That's good. To that's start why your I'm research. asking these, yeah. like, yeah. Good place to start your research okay. for a breeder, and then there's a good Just place to start upon it. Exactly to find a rescue. Okay. Um, they always have puppies available. That's also a red flag because, like I said, working with puppy mills, um, and then pretty much doesn't try for the harder to adopt animals. Like I mentioned earlier. Um, senior medical case hospice and behavioral issues they don't take any of those on they only have puppies and young dogs what what exactly do you think would make a dog very hard do you, to to adopt is it typically going to be well looks? hospice is the end of life care trying to find a dog to you know 
kind of home to give it end of life care yeah um senior dogs obviously older dogs they don't have as much time but more time than a hospice medical cases you know they're going to require a lot of vet appointments some rescues help you with that some don't but Mm. they make it apparent they they prepare you if you're going to take this dog be prepared that it's going to require a wheelchair it's going to require physical therapy type of thing some dogs need to be manually expressed bladders and bowel movements like that's a thing so and those people are saints yes <laughs> they take are those dogs they like, are i would I, I love dogs i couldn't do that I, couldn't. I would like to be at some point to be able to do at least senior um hospice care dogs and at some point in my life but i think i need um a bigger home for that yeah. so yeah i feel like that's such a beautiful thing to do just as like and a that's human. you're a strong person if you can do that too yeah. Um, yeah, I know a few people at the dog park that specifically do that. Like, mm-hmm. one lady was asking me, because she saw me with all the dogs, oh, you know, no, no, I'm not a rescue. I'm not doing any. I'm just a dog walker. Yeah. Like, I'm not. None of them are for adoption. She's like, oh, I'm just looking for just old, you know, like old. Yeah. Like. And I like when You know, it's that's nice. just so nice. And keep in mind, like, if you're older and you want to adopt a, a pet, Try not to get a younger dog because, you know, say your health declines mm-hmm. and that dog's going to end up back in a home that could have, you know, got kind them for its whole the life. dog too, potentially, yeah. So that's like a good opportunity to do older or senior or hospice pets. It's harder, I know, for you mentally, but it also gives that animal a chance at the same rate that, you know, you may be older and declining in health type of thing. Um, but always have backup plans, too. So if, say, your health declines and you have to go to a hospital, have a backup plan for your your purchased dog or yeah. your adopted dog. Either way, have a backup plan. Any take, age. take a note from uh, Chris and Robin. Just find a guy that loves your dog and <laughs> put him in the will. There you go. <laughs> um, dirty facilities is also a red flag for bad rescues. Um, when you go and you just see feces and urine yeah, if you walk in and it just smells dirty. exactly yeah, like, i mean some place i will say some places will smell because it's they're inundated with dogs mm-hmm. but if it's clean at least then the smell is somewhat acceptable okay um and then if they lack transparency like they won't tell you the dog's history like i mentioned earlier um and then they always ask for funding, but very little done with that funding. You, they're like, oh, let's fundraise for this dog. And then you never get an update about this dog again. Mm. So typically they're in it for the money. Mm. So hard to believe that you would take part in like such a noble cause in such a negative way. Like, yeah. Why would you even bother? Money. It's like it's all when about I see the money. when I see dog walkers, like yeah, dog walkers. There's like two categories, right? You split it right down the middle. People that are in it for the money, because I'm not gonna lie, it's not easy money, but it's money. It's enjoyable money. Mm-hmm. You were in it for the dog, so it makes it more enjoyable. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and then there's dog walkers. Yeah, like me who just like don't care about the money it's like i'm here for the dogs and the dogs only and it's so sad that that's the case with with rescues and breeders where they see greedy greedy people you know um but overall either way 
you should adopt or buy responsibly. Do your research on either or. Um, if you don't, you're contributing to the reason why there's um, the amount of animals in shelters. Um, responsible breeders typically won't let their dogs go to shelters, and responsible rescues will set their dogs up for success. According to most studies, um, like I mentioned earlier, buying dogs does not take homes away from rescue dogs because the person wasn't planning to get the rescue dog anyways um, versus you know, lifestyle of the owner may want a certain type of dog for that lifestyle. Um, backyard breeders and puppy mills are paired with uneligible people are the reason why there's um, a buildup in rescues and shelters. If you don't plan on breeding responsibly to neuter and spay your pet per the pet age uh, is dependent, but don't let, you know, your pets wander. Don't, you know, if you're having accidental litters, your backyard breeder. <laughs> there's a problem. There's a problem. Um, but don't feel pressured either way to either purchase or adopt. Like I said, do it responsibly. Support either, but don't put others down and don't be put down by others. Yeah. for doing what you think is best for your lifestyle. Yeah, it's the last thing that the dog community needs is negativity. You know, like, don't be at each other's throat. Like, what do you mean you didn't adopt that dog? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, God, I had a one last really good question, and it just left my brain. Damn. Um, wow, it was a good question, too. <laughs> Damn. Sorry. That's all right. No, it's okay. Um. You'll think of it as we finish. I know. I'm sure I'll think of it after. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I've learned a lot, and I know I'm going to have to listen to this. Yeah. Well, when I edit it and then post I so I edit it, and when I edit it, I listen to it. Yeah. And then I post it, and then I listen to it once it's posted. And I swear by the third listen, I'm still like, oh, and yeah. like, I don't know. You just teach me a lot. So I appreciate <laughs> well, I'm it. I'm glad to help. And I hope this <laughs> helped a lot of you guys figure out what you want to do. Um, and if you have any questions or comments, feel free to do that. If we're willing to engage, talk to you. That's totally fine. So um, hopefully we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs>